Welcome to our Bible class in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Each time we begin our class lately, I've reminded us the content of this New Testament letter is from God, written by Paul to Timothy and for our learning today. Likewise, I've given us the historical setting. Paul is near the end of his life, and his concern of heart is the continuation of the Lord's work on earth through faithful men like Timothy. 2 Timothy 3, I'm going to start by reading verses 12 through 15, and then we will continue with the other verses in the chapter. 2 Timothy 3, 12 through 15. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Let's pause there. That the Apostle Paul suffered challenges and hardships in doing the Lord's work, we all know very well. Just in the previous verse, he reminded Timothy of his persecutions and sufferings he endured through his faith in Christ. Well, Timothy needs to understand, and we need to understand, this is the situation and reality for everyone who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. Verse 12 could not be clearer. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, the form of persecution may change from culture to culture and from generation to generation, but not the reality of it. If you intend and desire and actually live a godly life in Christ Jesus, this is part of that life. Opposition. Persecution. Now, maybe we could all give our testimony or our experience or not. Perhaps we know of people who have suffered persecution. There are cases of severe persecution happening to Christians in the world right now to a far greater extent than we may ever suffer. But experience or not, documented or not, known personally or not, this says all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. What gets us through this and prepares us for any future hardship is what the Lord himself said in the Sermon on the Mount. You remember this? Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rich is your reward in heaven. 
That's the essence of Matthew 5, what the Lord said. And this is the reality of persecution. But with that, the certainty of the Lord's approval and comfort and blessing and eternal reward. Next, notice how bad people get when they decline further into sin, but how good people can get as they grow and continue to learn in Christ. 2 Timothy 3, 13 and 14. While evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Listen carefully. If you put spiritual reality on a graph, those who continue in sin decline, get worse, while those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus grow and thrive. May I say that again? Those who continue in sin decline. Those who live godly in Christ grow and thrive. And we observe something here. We have recently noted that Timothy is not just to preach to others, but to keep his own faith in good shape. It says, but as for you, Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. And then this phrase, knowing from whom you learned it. A preacher was once asked, who told you the Bible is the word of God? And there was no hesitation. The preacher said, my mother and father. I'll tell you folks, it's okay to listen to your mama and daddy. You will need to grow up and read the Bible for yourself and have your own faith, but it is not just subjective and sentimental to remember and cherish your early teachers at home that led you to Christ and became a part of your motivation in life. So here's what we have, 2 Timothy 3, 12 through 15. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. What a privilege for Timothy to have his mother and grandmother and then Paul to instill in him knowledge from God, which prepared him for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. As Timothy carried on the Lord's work after Paul's death and would face persecution, he would need to hold to these convictions and remember from whom he learned these truths that came from God. It is acceptable for the rich spiritual heritage of your past to be a part of your motivation to be faithful today. 
We cannot let family dictate or determine our faith, but their good influence in the true faith and the good training they gave us from God hold to that. It is legitimate motivation. Now, Paul has just referred to God's written will, the sacred writings. That leads to the next part of this. We're going to spend a few minutes here. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Long ago, God made a decision to communicate to man and to commit his will to man in permanent written form. He conveyed to the Jewish people their law in written form, and it was to be read to the people and preserved. He has done the same for all of mankind in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the other books that constitute the New Testament. For instance, the Apostle Paul wrote Scripture. Peter said that's what Paul and the others were doing. 2 Peter 3.16 We know when Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he said, when you read this, you can understand the will of God, Ephesians 3. So here is something basic, and against this, we should permit no doubts or distractions. God chose to convey his will to us in permanent written form called Scripture. All Scripture is breathed out by God. You may have a translation that says, inspired of God. It has always helped me to think of this in the simplest terms. God breathed out of his mind and will, and the result was this book. God breathed out of his mind and will, and the result was this book. This is why I often say to us, the content of 2 Timothy is from God. It was written by Paul, through Paul, to Timothy, for Timothy and for us, but the origin of the message is the mind of God. How thankful we ought to be that God didn't leave us to guess or make something up from our minds. He has revealed his will to us. All scripture is breathed out by God. Before we continue, I want you just to stop and focus on that. From God, breathed out by God. One more thing about inspiration. Let's be clear. Do not think of Scripture as written by men and then after it came into existence, God breathed into it. No. Scripture should be thought of as brought into existence directly from God. Think of it this way. God exhales from his perfect mind and uses the writers to record his will. The next part of this falls naturally into place. Anything that comes from God for man is profitable. God is perfect. He's the creator. 
He's sovereign. Anything that comes from God for man is profitable. It has value because it is from God. To put it crudely, God doesn't have bad breath. If God breathed out his will and had it committed to written form, it is good for us. It is profitable. Profitable for teaching. Those who desire to learn about God, sin, Christ, duty, life, eternity, should use the Bible as their text. It is profitable for teaching. We may read other books, but there's only one authoritative textbook for life. So when we teach people about those things that pertain to God, we should teach them from inspired scripture. It is profitable for teaching. Reproof. If I want to know what's wrong with me, where my issues and problems and weaknesses are, I should rely on God's written word to tell me about myself. Likewise, if I determine that I want to help someone discover their issues, their sin, I should use scripture to offer that reproof. To say to someone, I don't like what you're doing, is generally not spiritually valuable. But to open the Bible and show people the destructive nature of their behavior can, if they are receptive to God's word, lead to the necessary change and restoration. And let me add, if someone approaches you with criticism or reproof, you are justified to ask them to open the Bible and show you where you are wrong. Somebody comes to you and says, you're a guilty sinner. You're not right with God. Your accuser should have an open Bible along with evidence of your sin. Reproof, in order to be legitimate, must be based on, must come from the word, scripture, that came from God. Correction. Once I understand what my sin is, scripture gives me the remedy to correct my course and be right with God. First, I need to know my sin then I need to know what God has said I need to do in the way of repentance, reconciliation, replacing the bad behavior with good, the bad thoughts with good thoughts. Inspired scripture not only identifies our sin, but tells us what we can do to be forgiven and to recover from that sin and do better. Training in righteousness. If I desire to live right day by day, the sacred writings supply exactly the training I need. This gives me opportunity to say that nobody ever comes out of training. You use your training every day in life to be a child of God, but there is never a time when you are finished with training in righteousness. No magical age no level of experience, no time when you can say, I'm finished with being trained. And your training manual in righteousness is here. The inspired word of God. And, and training implies activity and discipline and good outcomes and preparation for the future. All of that comes to us from God through his word.
So for Timothy and for anyone with the word of God in hand, heart, and life, we are equipped for every good work. If this is true, and of course we believe it is, it doesn't matter if man calls something a good work, if it isn't derived from the written word of God, it just isn't. God defines what is good. It is only through a reading of and a diligent application of Scripture that we can become complete and be furnished to engage in that which God considers good. Wrap-up time, just briefly. I think it is not just speculation or imagination when we warn Christians that persecution in the future may take a giant leap. I hope we are prepared for the increased hostility toward Christianity. It is already happening. There are reasons to expect it will get worse. There is no sign that it will get any better. I'm not a prophet. I don't know exactly how this will happen or when, but I see no signs of any pushback from Satan and his ministers. Persecution against Christians may become more intense. I hope we are ready to be steadfast, knowing that Paul already has said to us, all who live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. How we prepare for future persecution must involve our convictions matching what Paul says here about Scripture, being inspired and profitable. Scripture is completely sufficient to furnish us with everything we need to be ready for whatever is ahead. Temptation, persecution, opportunities to teach others and keep ourselves right all to the glory of God. Scripture is completely sufficient. And then I sometimes inquire in this way, can you name something that needs to be done as a spiritual necessity, a condition of salvation that Scripture doesn't facilitate? Of course, you can't, because Scripture furnishes us unto every good work. Next time, we're going to move into chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Thank you for being with us. We are the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas.